Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. I'm Crystal Berger, Fox News, and we're spending a few moments with Carla Moore, author, speaker, certified transformational coach in studio with me today. How are you, Carla? I'm fantastic and excited to be here with you, Crystal. Yes, yes. I love your energy from the first day that we met. You were born in Centerville, Tennessee. Yes. Centerville, Tennessee is um, it's about 45 minutes, maybe an hour west of Nashville. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, Crystal, it is a small town. And yes, I'm a small town girl. Small town girl in the city is what people say. Population 3,000. Uh, <laughs> there's more people in the HBO building right now than it is in my hometown. Wow. But they know I love them, and they know that I am who I am today because of how I grew up. Let's talk about that. You said as early as five years old, you knew that you were kind of different. I did. So, again, it's a small, close-knit community, and most people, we go to high school, we stay there after we graduate, and we work in, in town. I knew very early there was something different. There was something more I wanted to see and, and wanted to have, and much more of an adventurous spirit. And it's funny, one of the things I point to in my book, and this is way beyond you, Crystal, but the World Book Encyclopedia was our original I internet. I remember that. I don't know how you remember that now. <laughs> <laughs> too young for that. But literally, the world was at our fingertips. Mama was so smart enough, and, and Dad too, to make sure that we had access to this type of information. So here I am, five, six, seven years old, and already seeing the Colosseum in Rome and, mm. and seeing Africa and seeing Italy. It was just astounding. And those images stuck in my head. And I knew I had to go see him for real. But that's powerful because a lot of times you meet people from communities that don't have exposure, whether it doesn't matter if you're affluent, you're just isolated in your community. Mm -hmm. Talk about the power of education in your growing mm. up, because one thing I know you said your parents were two of the only educated people in your community. Mm -hmm. Two of the few, um, mm -hmm. for sure, which meant we had no choice. We were going to <laughs> we were going to college. I think Mama used to ask us when we were in fourth and fifth grade, so where are you going to college? I'm like, Mama, we're just trying to go to recess. Can we just play outside? So we were thinking about education and our major and what we wanted to study way before we even hit high school. They understood the importance of education leveling the playing field. In your process, you went from working in a sprint call center and then a small mm -hmm. call center in Georgia, mm -hmm. and then you kept growing and going. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I know that you hadn't had your crash moment just yet, but there was still something in you that was a driving force to accomplish goals. Yes. What, what was that? To your point, I had not even come into the awareness of even who I was and what I was here to do. I did know that I had a college degree, a good one. I was going back for my MBA, got that, and I knew I could move just on that alone. And I knew I had the goods to deliver on whatever would be required for any role, leadership roles, advisory role, manager role, or even just an independent contributor on a team, I knew that I could bring something to a team that mattered. I could contribute. I also knew once I got in the world, I find that sometimes I have more elevated ideas or I broaden or expand the conversation. And as a result, I knew that I could make a difference wherever I went. 
you're a woman, mm-hmm. you're an African-American woman, and you're leading teams. Yes. What were some of the unique challenges that you faced, not only as a woman, but also an African-American mm-hmm. woman, specifically in corporate America? First and foremost, just seeing my mama be who she is and how she raised us and how she sacrificed and ensured that we had whatever we needed to be successful. Again, at her sacrifice. My mom was a retired registered nurse. She's college degreed. She had big dreams too, but she also had five kids. And as a result, she put some of her dreams on the back burner in order for ours to manifest and flourish. So seeing the strength in her built that strength in me. Mm. I knew I had the resolve to win and be successful. Another angle, my hometown is predominantly white. There's very little diversity as I was growing up. In fact, I believe all of the African-Americans, we were all kin at some <laughs> Everybody had the Everybody same last name, lived on the same block. Something. It was so small. <laughs> the beauty of that upbringing is that it taught me how to navigate different rooms and circles and people. So not everyone looked like me. And I knew how to touch, connect, and engage with different levels and different types of people. So when I started working, I started being a leader and started showing up on the job and showing up at work. The challenges were absolutely there. First one, female. It's not easy leading a team that could be mostly male or an industry even that's male dominated Mm -hmm. to be a woman and be confident enough in her voice. Again, I say I'm confident. I'm confident in my point of view, confident in my voice, confident in my education. I just wasn't confident in myself. There's still conversation, larger conversations around how do women lead differently from men? Do men take to women leaders? There's still some challenges there. And there are some men who are incredible leaders as well who women follow and vice versa. Then you add the layer of diversity on there. That too further challenged me. Mm. So now here I am, a female, corporate America, black female, corporate America, male dominated and mainstream dominated. I didn't see a whole lot of people who looked like me in higher ranks and still don't see enough, quite frankly. So that challenge there, this need to back then compete and prove, working harder to prove rather than trying to spend that time solving problems and developing other people, trying to prove my own words because I had these, what I thought were markers against me. And finally, let's not forget that third piece. I was over 300 pounds doing this. So that overall package alone would make someone look like that I was not smart enough or capable to do this. And I actually had that tape and script playing in my head, too. Mm. I've seen a lot of people who are overweight, their value be diminished as if their size correlates to their intellect. intellect. Exactly. You separate in the book, you talk about these two lanes. You know, you have your personal lane and you have your professional lane and you artfully separated the two early on in your journey. Yes, I'm very separated. It was a natural move for me. And when I talk to people about this idea of that there's really only one true self, there's not a work self and then a true self and then a day self and then a sorority self and then a church self, a school self. There's one true self. And the idea, and I didn't know this then, the idea is to get solid, get rooted and grounded in that true self then you adjust for whatever room you're in. So the professional and personal lanes, the exercises, the pit stop exercises in the book, it's to help you think through. First, find out who you are, but then how does that look? How does that show up at work? And how does that show up at home? So you're working, you're you're being amazing at your job and, and, and very efficient, but you personally feel lost. You personally mm-hmm. feel lost. You don't know how to fix it. And then, boom, you have this car crash. Mm-hmm. 
tell me about that day before the accident, that same day, but before you got into the accident. What was going on in Carla's day? I knew exactly what was happening. In fact, I was um, here in New York, and at the point of the car crash, I was in Chicago. I was working in, a, in our Chicago office. And I was here in New York um, on the last day of an industry conference. And my company, HBO, has always been supportive of my growth and development. I mean, that, in fact, it's the reason why I'm where I am today. Um, people saw in me what I couldn't see in me. And so allowing me to go to industry conferences and, and grow and develop and learn new things um, is what also helped expand my career. So I just landed at Chicago Hair Airport from the conference in New York immediately, almost immediately, I started thinking about all the things I had to do. The things I was behind on, my mind immediately started racing. Within minutes of leaving the airport, I had lost control of my car and crashed head-on into the concrete median, 55 miles an hour, no seatbelt, in a convertible. You talk about low self-love, low self-care. I was completely outside of myself. I, I didn't mm. even have a sense of my own worth that I'm driving like this with no seat, but not even caring for myself. And what had happened was that distraction behind three months of my expense report. My boss is coming in two weeks. We got a plan for that. I got two agendas I have to write. I mean, literally, I was looking straight ahead, but I was not there. You know, sometimes you're <laughs> driving and you wonder how you even got home, but, you, but you're behind the wheel. That's what happened to me. Mm. And when I finally came to, all the cars had literally stopped. It was a sea of red lights, but I was still traveling at a high rate of speed. I didn't even realize the cars had stopped. Five lanes of cars, brake lights, and I still did not see that they had stopped. And to avoid hitting them, I went immediately into the median. It is true. I, when I hit that, when I made contact with that median, my first thought was, is this over? Like, is this the moment? I was conscious enough to ask myself, is this the moment? Well, after doing three donuts on the interstate and facing the other way on the other side of the interstate, and I was still lucid, I knew it wasn't over. But I knew something had to change. Mm-hmm. And you say that very next day you woke up and you said, this yeah. is it. You woke up and you started to write. What were the things that you put down on paper? Single, no kids, literally turning 40, morbidly obese, hadn't figured it out. That morning, by the way, the car crash was September 18th, 2007. September 19th, at Wednesday, I sat on that sofa in my home by myself, no car in the garage, no food in the fridge, legs and bandages and stitches in my face. And I said to myself, girl, what are you doing? What are you doing? Turning 40, hadn't grasped fully what was happening to my life. And then I said, better yet, Carla, what are you going to do next? That is when I grabbed a sheet of paper and I said, I am going to live the life I'd imagined. From this day forward, there's going to be nothing, no thing that's going to stop me from these four things I want the most. And the reason why I say four, because the four came right to me. Crystal, since college, so at that point I was 40, I'd finished college at 20. So for 20 years, there had been four things I had wanted for my life and hadn't done it yet. Wow. And I wrote those four things on the piece of paper that day. It was lose 100 pounds, run a 5K, reactivate my community service and my church sorority civic organizations, and see Rome. The same Rome that you saw that, in those encyclopedias. That's you. <laughs> and it's exactly what I wrote about, literally. And one year from that date, I lost my first 100 pounds. I ran my first 5K. I reactivated 
all memberships in my organizations and spent two weeks in Italy. Oh, yes. Wow. On a solo vacation. In the book, what are some things that we can find that will help us on our journey to using our personal power to transform into these perfect, awesome leaders? That's a great question. So the book is called Crash, Leading Through the Wreckage, um, Using Personal Power to Transform Your Leadership and Life. I didn't write and life, but it should be in life. And so, of course, there are car metaphors. You know, it was a car crash that inspired this transformation in my life. And so what we have throughout the book, and I mentioned it earlier, there are several things you're going to get out of this book. One, you're going to get and understand and believe that crash moments are actually transformations in disguise. When you hit those pivotal moments in your life, they can either take you down, they can make you fall, or they can actually be used to fuel the next pivot of your life. So crash moments can either fuel or help you fall. So you'll see that there's an opportunity there. Two, the resources, the tools and resources in this book that'll help you get back on your feet quickly are through my pit stop exercises. These are, now Crystal, these are moments in the book throughout the chat, throughout the chapter. And I don't mean just um, at the end of a chapter. Um, when there is a, an important point that I believe that if someone took a moment at this part of the book, this part of the text to think through, that perhaps some answers and themes could emerge. So they're called pit stop exercises. And we're asking you. So it's sort of like it's a hand manual. It's almost like a workbook. It is. <laughs> um, we're asking you very pointed questions. You may not have even asked yourself before. Some things like what are things that you are doing for others that you're not even doing for yourself? And one quote that you say is one of your favorite quotes what you seek is seeking you yes and it really puts you in the driver's seat yes how important is that self-awareness to getting where you're destined mm. to go mm-hmm. it's critical back to that other favorite quote i have choices shape destiny puts you in the driver's seat what you seek is seeking you puts you in the driver's seat which means you have to be clear on you You have to be clear on not just who you are, but what you want. Because if what you seek is seeking you, what if you don't know what you want? Mm. Then you'll be flailing. You'll end up with a 10, 15, 20-year career that could be steady, but not particularly meaningful. You could look up on your 30 years, ready to get your gold watch, if they still do that, and wondering, what did all this even mean? This clarity and awareness and this level of personal enlightenment on you, who you are, what you're here to do, what you're in it for, gets you to your destiny. Thanks for your time. We've just spent a few moments with Carla Moore. I'm Crystal Berger, and this is Fox News. This is Jimmy Fallon, inviting you to join me for Fox Across America, where we'll discuss every single one of the Democrats' dumb ideas. Just kidding. It's only a three-hour show. Listen live at noon Eastern or get the podcast at foxacrossamerica.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.